Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hey folks, welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your co-host, Joe Lou, and today I'm joined by Pastor Lydia, who's a pastor of Transformation, co-founder of 180 Church, and wife to Dr. Sammy. Um, and this week we're talking about sin and temptation and the gravity and seriousness of sin itself. And I think one of the poignant things that I got out of this sermon is just how much we downplay and euphemize sin in our lives, but we don't really take into account the gravity and the seriousness of uh, these actions and how we toe the line between a path of destiny, purpose, and a life for God and a livelihood of sin. Um, and despair and a cycle of grief. And so this conversation is about how we can navigate through these temptations, how we can combat them, um, and how we can really lead lives with Christ towards flourishing and fullness. And so without further ado, here's Dr. Sammy. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, Just for a moment as we've been navigating through the summer, it's just been a great joy, you know, studying and exploring, excavating the Book of Acts together by Luke the Great Physician. Um, and my hope is that we finish the Book of Acts by the end of the summer. And it's going to be amazing to retrospectively look at the greatest community of all time, giving us uh, nuggets of wisdom and instruction in how we are supposed to be the body. So, you know, I think it's just a wonderful time together. So thank you for journeying with us. And it's going to be, I know, an amazing, life-changing instruction for many of you. So that's where we're headed. Today, as we move into the fifth chapter of Luke's second part letter, we begin to clearly see, and it's clearly apparent, that I've discussed the motif of this, that the early church narrative and the early church story is not at all utopian or paradise on earth. It seems that way for the first four chapters. God's spirit falls in mighty power, life-changing healing, miracle, and a community that has one in mind and one heart. But we get to the fifth chapter, and then we clearly see that it's not utopian or paradise, but clearly dystopian. The story of Ananias and Sapphira brings back to the forefront a great motif that is ubiquitous throughout the Old Testament, starting at the garden, where the serpent tests Adam and Eve. The motif of duplicity darkness and sin that looms. We see here that sin looms implicitly and 
many times explicitly behind the human heart. The prophet Jeremiah once said that the human heart is the most deceitful thing above all else. Because often we lie to ourselves and we lie to God because darkness seems safer than the light much of the time. Because it takes actual courage to live in the light. And if we're honest with ourselves, courage is often in short supply in our lives. And that is exactly what the Spirit forges in the fire of Pentecost. A community saved by grace. A fellowship. A fellowship that is analogous to J.R.R. Tolkien's epic science fiction novel. The Lord of the Rings. And a fellowship that exists because overcoming temptation, sin, and evil is impossible alone. And that's exactly what the Spirit begins to unleash on the earth. A fellowship. And that's the question we want to uh, unpack today. That's the question we want to answer. Why a fellowship of believers is absolutely essential for our spiritual lives. So let's go to the scriptures and answer that question right now together. Hey guys. Today's scripture is from the book of Acts chapter 4 verses 32 to 36 and also Acts chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. Alright, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions wasn't their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all, that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself and brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in. Not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she replied, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. The, then the young men came in 
and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who had heard about these events. And that is the word of the Lord. Bye, guys. Alright, so the question we asked in the beginning was, why is a fellowship of believers absolutely essential to the spiritual life? The first lesson we learned in this passage is that because sin is acute, it's rather acute. A lot of times in today's culture, in a consumeristic and consumerism dominates the predominant culture. A lot of times the American church particularly takes sin very lightly. Sometimes we think it's cute. I struggle with it and I struggle with that. And, and of course we want to mitigate shame. But Acts chapter 5 really addresses. And it's uncomfortable really. And it's not a passage I would rather preach from. I don't want to portray a chapter where God strikes people dead for deceit and duplicity, or we all would deserve that, because there's duplicity looming in everyone's heart. And that's what crucified the Lord Jesus five chapters ago before this book that we're exploring together. But it shows the severity of sin, the, the motif that the wages of sin lead to death. And this is actually literal death. But it's a parable. It's a parable. That when we take sin lightly, and we think and begin to flirt with those temptations that appeal to the darkness in our heart and the weaknesses in our heart, it begins to erode something that cannot be saved. And it's a warning in many ways. And it's absolutely something I don't want to preach. But that's the beauty of preaching through books of the Bible. You can't escape what is absolutely essential to the body of Christ. Sometimes we need a good kick in the pants. Sometimes we do need to be reviewed. Because there is, what this passage is teaching is that no one is exempt from temptation. Can you imagine that? Just like in paradise in the beginning, the parallel of a beginning. This is the beginning of the church. In the beginning of Genesis, the beginning of all creation, temptation came during paradise and in paradise. And in the church, you see scandal and duplicity coming in. The revival of Pentecost. Sin and evil is always looming. Just like the snake in the garden. Here you see Satan, again, in a different form, in a form of greed and self-preservation, come and attack. So we have to be on our guard. So whatever you might be going through today, and you think whatever sin that is tempting you, and you think, you know what, just a little bite, just a little look, one look, just one thought. That's what they thought in the garden. It's just a fruit. That's what Ananias and his wife thought. This is just a little bit of money we're holding back. In the Lord of the Rings, it just seems like jewelry. Just a ring. That word just applies, I have this handle. Now, let's look at the passage. I 
says very clearly in verse 3, And Peter said to Ananias, How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold? Wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to just humans, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And a great fear seized all who heard what happened. You know, the Bible tells us that what you sow is what you reap. That God cannot be mocked. There are some of us listening to me today, and I'm talking only to believers, okay? Don't flirt. Don't think it's cute. You're like, yeah, I'm just struggling with that, you know? No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't try to be cute with it. Don't flirt with it. Because it could destroy you. And your path and your destiny with God. Because sin isn't cute. It's, it's a cute. And we have to deal with the severity of it. And that's what Luke is addressing in this very chapter. You know, I have a funny story about a decade ago as we started a church. There there was a, a young lady, and I think few people, that thought that Tinder was cute. That Tinder was harmless, you know, swipe left, swipe right. And, and you know, some ladies particularly thought that they would go on and meet some guys on Tinder. When their friends warned them, it's really just a sex app. It's just exploiting people. They're like, no, I don't believe that. I'm not that cynical. Yeah, they went on it. <laughs> and on the date, when they on the meetup, well, we can't call it a date, right? It's a meetup. And they were just talking about graphically about all things disgusting, all things that really turn this person off. And they realized the hard way that this is true. Sometimes we're so dense, things that are so obvious, when temptation and loneliness pulls at our heart, hearts. It seems like we almost have to learn the hard way and experience despair and heartbreak and pain. Today, whatever temptation you might be flirting with, Maybe it's about money. Maybe it's about sexual temptation. I don't know. But you know that the Spirit knows. And here in this chapter, the fifth chapter, parallel that parallel Genesis Genesis in the garden of the Lord and the snake tempting Adam and Eve. It just looks like a harmless piece of fruit, just a piece of money, just a look. But it can be ruined. And the text is advising. You can lie to others, but God knows. Today I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict you right now. If you're flirting with sin, right now, no, it's not cute. It's acute. It's dangerous. And it will lead to your peril. I pray the Spirit will show you right now whatever you might be flirting with and let's learn to deal and absolve it in the next part of the text. 
So in the beginning we asked a question, why is a fellowship of believers absolutely essential to our spiritual life? The second lesson we learned is because you can't grow if you're dead. Right? The goal is to grow, but you can't flourish and you can't reach your destiny in Christ and do the things you were assigned if you're dead. <laughs> Tell someone next to you, you can't grow if you're dead. Logic, common sense. Right? In this passage, about three hours later, verse 7, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said. That is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the man who buried your husband are at the door. They will carry you out also. She Folks, the Bible says that the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. Peter says in other parts of his epistles that there's the devil is like a roaring lion, a ferocious lion hungry. The people who die in every movie first, especially horror are the ones who are isolated and become belong. Why does a fellowship exist? We said that in the very beginning, that the, like the fellowship of the ring. The fellowship of believers exists because we cannot overcome our own duplicity, our temptations, and our sins alone. A confessed life is a holy life. An unconfessed life is a dangerous life. You are literally in danger. Why? You see, Peter gave her grace and asked her the question. Is it the price that you agreed to give to the poor among you? You wanted to look a certain way, to be magnanimous and generous, but inside you weren't. That's not worth it. So what do we learn then? This is what we learn. We need a fellowship because the fellowship of believers exists because we cannot, like I said, overcome it alone. Why? Because there is, there is no way we can eliminate two things about us. Our pride and our stupidity. Why? Because Peter tried to save her, right? People do ask us, are we struggling? We can even have accountability. And we could lie to them. But the fellowship exists exactly because temptation and the allure of sin that's looming in our hearts and the weak places, the lies that we've bought into, that the, that the darkness is safer than the light, even shame. shame that people would love us or think differently of us. That, that spirit of self-preservation leads us into destruction and peril. Because we can't change that we're dumb. We can't eliminate human stupidity. Just look around the systems in place in our own government. I can't go to Europe this <laughs> because 
of our own stupidity, right? We're trying to check stupidity. We can't. Trying to co trying to coordinate how to eliminate this pandemic, but human error is getting in the way. So we can't eliminate completely our stupidity and our propensity toward pride. Hey, we got this. It's just this. You know, so many of my friends that, especially their marriages that led to disaster, in the ministry, leaders and not, their downfall in their relationship was pride. They wanted to look like the highlights in, in, in their Instagram stories and Facebook. In comparison, they wanted to look the perfect. Self-preservation leads to our downfall. That stupidity and that pride is something that we have to let go of. Because we can't grow if we're dead. And that's why the fellowship exists. To limit, can't eliminate, but to limit stupidity and to limit pride. So if you're gonna date someone, and you're single, you need to look to the fellowship or it could lead to your peril and despair and heartbreak. Or it could even lead you out of the faith. Or if you're in a marriage, I have multiple couples in our in our church and that will happen in, in the future. In this, in this passage, the couple, Ananias and his wife, wanted to self-preserve a certain piety, a spirituality to the community. Which wasn't wise. And couples, if you're struggling together in your marriage, that's why there's a community, a fellowship. Share. Let's limit the damage. So we can grow and flourish and be an example to this world about our faith. Because what? We can't do it alone. The enemy will tempt to isolate us, and right now some of you might be. That's what the enemy's tactic might be, to isolate you from the fellowship. And I pray the Spirit will show you faces right now, people you can turn to, and confess your struggles, and confess your pride, confess our pride and our stupidity. It's amazing. It'll liberate us. The Bible tells us in the book of James that when we confess our sins to one another, we are healed and forgiven. Because God already knows. That he has, that's why he has given us the gift of fellowship. Amen. I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit would guide you and convict you today. So as we close today our service, and as the sun sets and the sun will rise tomorrow, God is faithful. If you're flirting with sin, whatever that might be, don't think, oh, it's just nothing. It's just a piece of fruit. It's just one look. It's just I got it handled. No, no. Do not allow it to lead you to spiritual death or despair. Confess it. Share it. And give it to the Lord and return to the fellowship. And today, I pray the Spirit again will show you the faces of people that you can enter fellowship if you don't have. Because sin and the wages of sin are death. So today I pray that the Spirit, as we sing this song, would minister to us to give us a clean heart, a right spirit, 
and the Holy Spirit would not be, the presence would not be taken from you. So will you lift your hands right now and sing with me, you created me a clean heart, oh God. Amen. Yeah, so I actually, when I pulled up the, I guess the live premiere of our service on Sunday, and I saw uh -huh. the bold red screen and the title uh, uh -huh. in quotes, flirting with sin. Uh -huh. Like I just immediately like felt my heart sink. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean that, you know, in a way that like, I feel like this is such a familial, uh, not familial, but familiar uh -huh. thing for me because I feel like having grown up in the church mm. um, and like in my adolescence and like, having known of God, but I guess like not really striking a relationship when I was young and even in my like development uh, as a young adult, I think like there was, there was always temptation looming and there was always like something about sin that was tantalizing. And I know that I have like a, a track record of having flirted with temptation a lot and sin. Mm -hmm. um, so I felt like, this sermon was just, it was just taking me kind of back to my roots. <laughs> um, and like, I'm really glad we're, we have an opportunity to talk about it because I really like the way that Dr. Sammy framed, um, I guess how uh, the church and um, I guess our society for like our, our Christian believers also like euphemize uh, mm. the, the dangers of sin, right? Like we know that temptation is something that we should be wary of or be mindful of. But like a lot of the times we go along with the narrative of it's just this, it's just a small look. It's just a little bit of money, right? The way that Dr. Sammy put it. And um, there is a real danger to that, even though the conversation about sin in and of itself may not be the most comfortable conversation to have. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I guess I'm a little excited, but also a little bit nervous to talk about this in that sense. Um, right. Cause, uh, I think one of the things that it brings me back to is that this is another sermon that's about our hearts and checking, um, how, like, I guess the weight in which we're willing to attribute to sinful behavior and temptations. Um, and, you know, I guess I just want to open up dialogue and conversation, starting with, um, you know, like, I guess we don't always consider the fact that the wages of sin are death, is death. Um, but, yeah, but it's, it's the truth, right? Like, these sins and these temptations that we might dabble and flirt with is like playing with fire, ultimately. Right. I don't really have, like, a... a, a question per se um right because i think i i at first kind of wanted to get your thoughts maybe about what you also thought about the sermon and in regards to like the i guess the temperature check of how believers view sin um during this day and age yeah i well, I love the message. I also, when I saw the big red screen on my TV that said flirting with sin, I just thought, oh man, I wonder what this is about. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But, um, yeah. And 
um, yeah, the message. Um, you know, it's a chapter that I've always been intrigued about. Mm. Um, I totally, um, I, I felt like, you know, when Sam was preaching and he said as a preacher, you know, it's not, it's definitely not something you want to preach about. And if he was not going through um, chapter by chapter each week, probably it might be one of those chapters that people might want to skip because you don't really want to deal with the fact that someone actually dropped dead and mm. offended of sin. Um, but I think it's awesome um, as, at the same time to be learning about it because or to hear preaching about it because it actually happened. Um, mm. And I think the issue of the fear of the Lord, because, you know, it says that fear came over the people, and it's a fear of examination and also reckoning of who God is. Um, I think oftentimes we don't think about fear or don't want to attribute fear with God in a, in a, in a frightening way, you know? you know, life and death way. But um, I think how Sam put it, that it is also a parable because it kind of became the story in which people were able to learn through mm. as an example um, of, well, this really happened in the first century and all the people heard and knew about it. And um it brought me back to when I first fell in love with the Lord. After I came to the Lord, um, I fell in love with this verse, um, Proverbs 1-7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it really um, resonated with me in me beginning my relationship with the Lord. Um, I think because it helped me to understand that my relationship with God is so special because it's God himself, like God of the universe. It kind of set in my mind that he's not just a friend, but it's God who I was unable to be in relationship with or friends with because of my sin that because of his sacrifice to his son that I was friends with and that I had a relationship with. So that fear brought, I think, a seeking for wisdom and what does this mean to live for the Lord? What does it mean to really know the Lord? You know, so those are kind of like my thoughts and kind of thinking through the message as I was hearing it, mm -hmm. it brought me back to that, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right. Yeah. It was like a full circle. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. What was that last part you just said? It felt like a full circle. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. In of that beginning. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I really like that you brought up that verse because that was one of the first things that came to mind also um, when you mentioned mm -hmm. the fear aspect, because it must have been really shocking to see Ananias and like Sapphira uh, die uh -huh. in that moment, right? But it, it it kind of for me it kind of bring brought or brought back the notion of like a, a certain level of respect for mm -hmm. God, right? Because I think when you know when I think about myself and my uh, like 
relationship with sin and how I might have dabbled with it. You know, usually it's like you would think that these these behaviors or this conduct is like permissible to a degree, right? Like you can like I would think I could let it slide or like God would forgive me and stuff like that. But like something like this verse and I think one of the things about that verse in Proverbs is that, you know, that fear and that garners wisdom about God is what ultimately like captures God's power, right? And like how much he is trying to bring us to a place where we avoid sin, right? Or like don't live a life of sin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it definitely refreshes the vision of who God is. Because I think a lot of times we think about God the way that we want to handle or we think about God in um, according to how much we think we could handle about God. Mm. But whether we, um, I guess, what is selectively choose what we want to think about God, God is who he is. He is the I am. He was the burning bush. Like he is the creator of the universe. And I think, you know, that word that you used, respect, I think it definitely brings respect back to the fact that he is the living God. He is a pretty mm. mighty God, yeah. you know, that we serve. So it definitely refreshes the vision of God. Mm. And I think as believers, it helps us um, understand and um, shape our thoughts and knowledge of who God is as well. Because mm. I think that thinking about God the way that we want to makes us insular as Christian. And it really definitely stunts our growth and understanding and knowledge of God. And I think seeing him and in, in who he is fully, what he is able to do capable of what he is allowed to do i mean he's allowed to do anything he wants the fact that he um defies everything and transcends everything on this earth and beyond and the universe i think is a healthy check of who we are in relationship with you know yeah yeah i could totally see that yeah i was just thinking about that because you know I think one of the things that always gets to me about, um, I guess, this conversation about sin is that, you know, Dr. Sammy mentioned at one point that, you know, it's not like a mystery what the temptation in our lives are as believers, I think, like, or what the sin is. Like, usually it's identifiable, right? Um, like, I think for a lot of believers or, you, you know, I think in my case, usually it's not it's it's pretty clear what it is that you might be quote unquote struggling with, but it's like really hard to um, admit it or to accept that there is, that this is like a much more serious thing than it actually is. And, you know, I really love mm -hmm. the way that Dr. Sammy frames how um, just the connotation of the word just in, mm -hmm. in the way we treat sin really takes away that, um, I guess like gravity of what we are doing when we're engaging with sin, right? Because ultimately it's like detrimental to our relationship with God and detrimental to our direction and path of like walking with Christ. Right. But it's like that I'll just take care of this later, or it's just one more drink, or it's just a little bit of this. 
it's it's like it seems harmless but it's it's like these little things that are much more serious in terms of like i guess a, on a cosmic level right or like a, like a on a really big scale mm-hmm. yeah i think it's vital right it's like it's literally you i mean the second point being you can't grow if you're dead mm. and it's vital meaning that it has everything to do with life and death may not maybe not physical death because we know that it was and it was not the norm that someone would drop dead when confronted again of you know their deceit or duplicity but many times i think that we stunt our own growth or bring blocks and you know, in many sense, kind of burn bridges to the next level because in growing with Christ, because of the way we look at sin and the way we try to evade it or try to entertain it. Right. So, yeah, I think like I think that's one of the things that also came up in my mind was, you know, usually sin following along with it. There's like there is that duplicity in our hearts to want to cover that up. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's like whether it's through lying like we saw with Ananias and Sephira or I think even for myself there is that aspect of I need to like hide this away mm-hmm. um I think we tend to use that word just to like minimize the real damage that it's doing to our heart mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. I was just wondering and I wanted to ask you this question about like I guess how do you how do you like begin to see or like where does the conviction come from to see that like our like flirting with sin and temptation is is really damaging you know because i think um just in my experience like having walked that line of uh flirting with sin uh you know several times in my life it's just really hard to see that it's it is actually damaging right like that it's detrimental um and i was just wondering your uh like regarding this if there are ways in which you can see clearly or with clarity that this is much more serious than we make it out to be well i think you know a lot of times it's easier to see it on others than ourselves right Mm. because the moment that we try to look in we're like denial comes and we go oh it's okay and that's hence the word just like oh it's just this it's just this time or you know it was just that time or you know it was just that thing Mm. but or it's just that person you know but i think it's really by grace. I mean, I think that when we hear this passage, we go, oh my gosh, I thought God was gracious, you know? Mm. But, um, and we, it's easy to be like, oh man, like, forget grace. This is all about, you know, make sure you, you know, kind of, uh, what is the word? Um, make sure you make the cut kind of like, you know, there, it could seem black and white in that mm-hmm. sense, but I think that it was actually very grace filled. And that when Peter confronts um, Ananias and Sapphira, Sapphira, that the confrontation is a, a re-asking the question of something that they knew already was true, was giving them an opportunity to confess, mm. you know? And I think if you're asking the question, where does that conviction come from? I, I believe conviction really, or the ability to be able to see really comes from, God's grace to be able to see and 
to to break out of insularity, to see something in denial, something that's within and implicit. And also it breaks blindness that we often, you know, live in. We're unaware of what's affecting us. And again, it's much clearer when we see it on others. Mm. So I think it's really God's grace. It's actually a very grace-filled um, passage about how God is always wanting to give us chances to see, you know, to confront us. When we think about the word confront, it's like, oh man, like I was confronted. Oh, that's harsh. That's all true. But confrontation comes because of love and love is because of God's grace. And it's really about who, his character of wanting to restore. Mm. So I believe that it comes from God's grace. And I think the text shows us that. Right. And it's, and it, it, it's like best seen in the context of community. Cause, um, I guess mm. what I'm also wondering, cause like the, what you just described kind of reminds me of that verse. I think I want to say Matthew. I'm probably not on, on, with that, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's uh -huh. the speck in your eye verse, right? Like, yeah. and yes. yeah, so that, that's what that reminds me. Of. Like, and are you, if I'm understanding what you were saying correctly, is it like through others that we can see a reflection of the sin within us? Yeah, because if, yeah, I think community is really the answer, right? Because it's the it's through the grace it's through the community of grace that we're able to really overcome mm. and that's so true it's really through peter who was part of that community who was a leader of that community to confront gracefully of the duplicity and it is in context of community like the message says that we're able to overcome sin mm. That just kind of brings to mind right now, um, I guess like, uh, I guess like isolation, right? Cause I think maybe for a lot of us, uh, the quarantine might have been kind of tough, um, for me anyways, in terms of feeling isolated, even from like the people in my life that I trust, uh, with my spiritual walk and such like that. And, um, but it, it's also the sermon has kind of been a really good reminder because I'm thinking about all the or the few or the few times that I I feel like I have overcome some kind of sin in my life, and it usually kind of came in the context of conversation with loved ones, right? Like it was like a it was a conversation that confronted my pride, which was usually the issue in those in those cases, and stupidity that was met with like offering and offering like another way to or yeah like offering another way to like see like how how like i guess yeah like how like the error of your ways right like it's that, that that's mm -hmm. what we're seeing through these like grace-filled conversations in the context of community mm -hmm. yes <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> I feel like you're going somewhere. Is there something you want to tell us? Um, I guess, <laughs> no, I'm yeah, kidding. I mean, I, was, I guess I was just thinking about the pandemic because, like, I feel like, you know, sin does isolate us, right? And then there's, like, further 
isolation because we it's it's difficult to physically meet up with people also mm-hmm. um so like i think like lately i've also been seeing that it's it's definitely a little bit harder for me to share if that mm-hmm. makes sense like confession has not been the easiest because mm-hmm. not only is there like not much going on around me but like I think what's going on inside of me has mm-hmm. been very like hard to navigate or like reconcile with. And it's, mm-hmm. I think like what the sermon helped me also see is that there's a level of pride and stupidity that makes me not want to also like reach out and like talk about these things mm-hmm. as well. And I was like, I guess I was like wondering, or I guess I just wanted to also talk about that because I felt like the timing of the sermon was almost um Mm. really really good for me in the sense that i think like with the quarantine and feeling isolated and such like that it just it just kind of like brought me to a realization that there that there is like this lack or this this lack this um need that is not being met Uh yeah i hear you i would love to hear what it was um in your experience but i totally hear you in saying that i think for some um not physically being able to see people Mm -hmm. um creates a bigger barrier right Mm -hmm. to actually feeling connected enough and safe enough again to be able to share something that's vulnerable and that's shameful Mm -hmm. so just then right that's what you're saying Yeah, yeah Yeah, that totally, I think that's many people's experience, actually, and that's isolation um, has, it becomes a challenge to overcome, like maybe another hurdle Mm. to overcome on top of the pandemic and everything else, everyone's navigating with it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your um, experience? Um, I think... A lot of it probably had to do with, uh, so like from previous to the pandemic, you know, I, I just felt like I went through such a, like a high activity lifestyle to all of a sudden, like a very low activity lifestyle, right? Like a lot of the things that I might've had like regularly scheduled in my life has just been kind of, uh, done away with, with the pandemic. And so I think that there was like a, like a, like a gaping hole in like identity for me. Right. And so like, um, you know, it it kind of like, I think especially with the sermon, what it offered me was a lens of like really examining my internal world, which has been kind of terrifying (laughs) and, you know, podcasting and having uh, conversations with you and Henry as well has been uh, incredibly helpful in that, area but it was just like an area that i guess i would not have been able to navigate through without community and such like that like i didn't even realize that i was in in like a i guess like not in a great state of mind or emotional state uh, during those Mm -hmm. times and i guess i didn't know i had to talk about it or i didn't really know that um i was like struggling with um like self-esteem or like wanting to um drink and stuff like that uh 
like mm-hmm. just like putting it out there because you know um mm-hmm. right like because i think having founded my life on just like doing so much stuff to all of a sudden like a state of inactivity there was like a piece of i felt like a piece of me was missing um uh, and like there were there was this propensity and desire to want to fill that need with like just relief or escapism um and things like that and so like those kinds of things came up but you know i didn't really i i I think like what dr sammy stated with like it's it's one of the ways in which the enemy tries to isolate us is to like you know like i guess bring up a wall of shame of not being able to like discuss these things or feel, or the feeling like you can't or like it's it's trivial or it's like just a just a little thing that you know will go away eventually or stuff like that um so yeah i think like those kinds of things came up uh which has been like i guess eye opening in terms of how i might view uh my relationship with sin cuz i think i didn't have the space to think about it in those terms or in their context before. But the sermon has really kind of, and like even the last couple sermons on Acts have been really um, mm-hmm. opening up that space to observe and examine myself, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it makes sense. You know, I think that's why um, preaching of the word is so powerful because it really convicts us to turn to Christ and to see Christ. Mm-hmm. Which is like people say, I have a relationship with God. I have my own, you know, sacred space and I do my own yeah. thing. I think preaching of the word from scripture is so powerful to remind us of the things that we think we're in control of, but actually blindsided mm-hmm. by. The word is so amazing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I hear you. So I, I, I'm like suddenly nervous. Um, but... <laughs> Don't be okay. nervous. You're only a yeah. <laughs> Um Yeah, I mean, like. I'm kidding. Yeah, there, there, there has been like. Um, I think one of the. Well, not to um, make it seem like to anyone that you're coming out and kind of confessing your sin for the first time on podcast. <laughs> but oh, yeah. I think, um, right, I, I, I wouldn't want anyone to feel nervous in that way. Right. But I think you're kind of um, adding to the story that you were sharing with us earlier about mm. your own conviction of sin yeah. that you weren't aware of that became so clear to you, Sad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess I was trying to go there, uh, <laughs> but it wasn't coming out properly. <laughs> Um, and I, I, and I think it's just like, I've never, so I, I guess like there is like a level of uncertainty about it because this is such a new thing. Um, like I've never really felt like conviction as strongly as this in regards to like something that I have to adjust in my life for God mm. or I want to adjust mm. in my life for God. Cause like, I think, um, you know, like I, whenever I would go out with my school friends and such like that, you know, we would usually be drinking and stuff. And I didn't really think there was any harm to my behavior, like whether I had uh, or I exceeded my capacity or limit to some degree. Um, I always try mm. to play along the line and like mess with 
playing with fire a little bit, right? Because, you know, it was, it was a little, like Dr. Sammy said, it's a little dangerous. But that danger was like mm. adding a, like a element of like livelihood and more fun for me and like, you know, just like losing mm. myself to the moment and things like that. Um, you know, and I didn't really see that mm. as like a fatal flaw, nor like, was it like so dangerous? But mm-hmm. like, I think what I'm starting to see is that it, it, it's not something I really want to do. And that was really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. cause it just kind of like struck me at one point. It's just like, I don't really want to do these things. And I, I also like noticed, um, that my feelings towards it are are more apparent to me because I have the space to think about it. Um, and, you know, cause before it would, it would just be like, I don't really have, the, I didn't really pay it mind because of the time or it was just like a blip or a moment in that week or that day. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I didn't think I struggled with this really. I, and I think I was very much flirting with this temptation, the sin in my life because I euphemized it so much. And, you know, I think when I was thinking about this and I was journaling about the sermon, I, 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 I guess God kind of gave me a picture of what, or, or like an analogy that, you know, I've been walking the line of two roads, like for so long, like before it becomes a fork, fork in the road, you're just kind of walking in between. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. like this among many other, uh, like, sins and behavioral things in the past like whether it was like for me smoking cigarette i mean smoking cigarettes and like drinking underage and things like that like these were eventual crossroads i had to come across and i knew i had to choose mm-hmm. the path that god wants me to walk or you know this path of like deceiving myself and like you know like fo- fooling myself into thinking like this was okay or like giving myself reasons to believe that the way my life is going is like, all right, you know, and I think there was something about the aspect of me walking in between that really revealed something to me about myself. Um, is in that like, I was not really for a long time, I don't think I was really willing to give God like full control of my life over like mm-hmm. all the aspects of my life. Like, there was always like something I would try to nitpick or like try to like mm-hmm. find a loophole in or something like that, but. It was like this strange feeling over the past week or two that this is different. Something about this is like very different. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I guess that's why also this sermon has like the timing and the conversation regarding it and revolving it has been like um, uh, like really like sensational. (laughs) Like it, it was just it just kind of fit the feeling that I had for a little bit, you know? Mm. Yeah. So you're saying that the pandemic was difficult because of the disconnection from community, physical disconnection, although there's so many, you know, accessible apps and all sorts of, Mm -hmm. right? But physical disconnection was really difficult and the lack of activity really brought up the gaping hole in your identity, right? With the gaping hole of the inactivity. 
And it sounds like the space that was given to you, although it was uh, painful, <laughs> right? Because so much of it all of a sudden, right? Time and space and then activity, there was so much of it, but it became a, like a sacred space for you to actually um, engage and experience God's heart and what God is saying to you and your life, mm. right? Is that's that's um that's so great to hear. Thanks. And I think that's encouraging for people to hear because I'm hearing so much of of that that it's so hard because it literally everything came to a halt. Like it was it was not gradual, it was very drastic mm -hmm. in every aspect of life and people were really struggling with the inactivity that leads to feeling, um, what is the word? Not disqualified, but feeling relevant in life. And it, I think the identity piece was really, really boiling for mm -hmm. many um, because I think whether we want to admit it or not, a lot of times our identity is based on how much we do and not so much what we do and i think a lot of people felt that pain and to hear your story that in the midst of this space this space that you wanted you know this disappear quickly you know that it actually became a space for grace for your future for your present for your relationship with mm. god literally changed right yeah. and um I think that's encouraging for a lot of people to hear, to see the grace, not just, not only is a silver lining, but to see that there's grace in what's happening, that God is working mm. in the midst of mm. all that. Yeah, it, it definitely came as a surprise to me. Um, it was not mm. what I expected at all. And it was a, it was painful, like you said, like I think that's probably the most accurate word because, you know, it's, I think it's really hard to even like be confronted with some of these like hard hitting topics or like these things about our identity. And, but there is, there is a lot of grace, like what you're saying, because I think if what God is doing for me is trying to like reshape my identity again, or like, you know, form it. And, you know, even though that's a painful process, it's like, it happened in the way that I least expected it, but you know, it's, it's, it's like who who would have thought that that is what God wanted to do, and like I think the contrast has been like really um it's been pretty amazing because uh, it, it it is like uncomfortable and like there is like a level of discomfort regarding all of it, but I think like uh it's it's in there or it's in that discomfort like in that tension with like the convictions of not wanting to sin and you know god's calling for us um there is that like silver lining of grace like you were describing mm -hmm. so how did it happen um you know if you could share with us like you said that you felt the disconnection from mm -hmm. community but was it the investment of the voices of loved ones that spoke to you about it before that kind of 
uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, was it a confluence of everything, of time and space kind of pausing on you or um, the voices that were spoken, invested into you coming together? Or was there, how, how did it happen? Because it's my understanding that because you're in lockdown, that you're not actually drinking yeah. with your buddy. So how did it happen? Um, well, I think it was, it started with like, so like now, like being that I'm taking remote classes and, you know, I'm kind of, I kind of went from an environment where I was stressed out together with people, just being like mm -hmm. stressed out by myself. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I, there was like always the regularity of seeing my friends at church, um, like my brothers and sisters that just in small groups that have always kind of kept me grounded. Um, and like, mm -hmm. even, even those, like, even those, um, really important things in my life being put in place have always been like a reminder of my direction and like my walk. Right. Cause like they always serve as a reminder for me, like, this is a very important part of my life. And, you know, I want to honor God with however way I need to honor God or want to honor God. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, with this pandemic, it's like, I think there was like a stark contrast of like me being able to see that I harbored these feelings. I would get like super mm -hmm. stressed out after like a midterm or an exam. And, you know, it's just this desire to like want to find relief or escape, like in the guise of like finding peace, I think. Um, mm -hmm. and I think that's where I fooled myself a lot of times. It's like, oh, like, I need a break or something like that. Or like, oh, like I need to relax. Um, and you know, it was always the justification that, you know, some, there's some kind of turmoil in me that I need to placate and like address. Mm -hmm. Um, and so usually mm -hmm. that'd be a couple of drinks and, you know, sometimes maybe a little too much to drink. Um, because like I was always so liberal with the line to not cross. Um, and I think mm -hmm. like given that, I, I think I noticed that about myself. Um, mm -hmm. and it was strange because I couldn't really shake it off. And it wasn't really until, um, I saw my like church friends again, uh, pretty recently, actually, uh, like two days ago, yesterday, um, that I just felt like there was something restored. Like it was just really nice. So I finally met up with some of my friends after such a long time. Um, and them being part of my like accountability and some of my closest friends. It's like, oh, like seeing them brought something back to me that I realized there is that that's what I've been missing and not necessarily the drink. Right. Mm -hmm. Like. I, I just knew that like I was, I felt more settled then than I have for like a really long time or like for a while, like something really stood out in terms of a contrast. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I think it reminded me of the fact that like throughout my journey, I've, they've always been there and you know, the, some of the hardest times I've gone through or that they might've gone through, we were there together. Um, and there was barely drinking involved through that process. Right. So it's like, there was already like a separation, uh, between like my desire for drinking and my desire to want to be around people that love me and have loved me well. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So it was the fellowship that you missed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's it's always been the fellowship. Like even if like drinking was involved with my school friends from time to time, like during the times we studied, we like barely went out or anything like that. But even that was about the friendships, not necessarily about the drinking. Um, but in terms of the context of like a community of believers, it was, it was definitely like something, something different about like how I felt afterwards. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if I would exactly describe it as peace. Right. But Mm -hmm. I just knew that it was like, I wasn't really seeking relief or like, or like that wasn't really my desire. Mm. You know, listening to you, I'm just kind of like um, on seeing these two parts. Uh, if I'm kind of seeing the connection of two parts, you could tell me if this is also like something that you're seeing in your experience. But um, and I just want to mention it because I think this is also very common in um, the whole drinking and um, wanting to feel free or wanting to feel relaxed or, um, you know, some people would say, you know, when I drink, I feel myself like more myself, probably because a lot of the angst is kind of, I guess, I don't know, eased by the um, influence. Mm -hmm. You know, my go to sayings. That was definitely one of my go to sayings. Yeah, like some people have a hard time, you know, it's kind of like take a shot of tequila before you walk down the aisle um, kind of yeah. thing, right? It's like you're so nervous, so, and you don't want to be seen as not put together. So when alcohol comes in, it kind of eases all that pressure and it makes you literally detach from that pressure, yeah. right? So I wonder, as you're telling me this, I'm just thinking through this, but when you met your fel- when you had fellowship, when you actually um, got together with your friends after a really long time, your, your community, church community, um, there was appreciation of being accepted and being known and seen for who you are mm. and growing in Christ. So you realized, I wonder if you realize, like, I don't need alcohol. Like, it's not even that, that I, it's not even that, it's not fun, this kind of fun or this kind of relaxation that I'm craving, but really, it's really the community of fellowship, of being known and seen through God's eyes. You know, I wonder if that's what it represented. And um, because I think in the end of the day, I don't know if I'm explaining this clearly, but I'm trying to put the two thoughts together that I'm seeing in my head, but um I, people tend to escape through whatever it is you know and you know just scripturally it says don't be drunk with wine but be filled with the spirit and it talks about a fellowship with the lord and fellowship with one another in the lord in that passage because as much as drinking is great and it's fun and it's exciting, it's relaxing, it definitely cannot replace genuine relationship, yeah. right? Yeah, no, I say? completely agree. I think that's usually the feeling that I might have after, like, 
if I were drunk the night before, the next morning is usually a pretty empty feeling or like it's just not it's there was like not a substantial fulfilling like there might have been if it was in the context of like hanging out with friends. It's like not quite the same. Mm. And people you people often turn to um all sorts of escapism when there is a sense of angst and fear mm. even. And it reminded me of many scenes in Lord of the Rings throughout I guess I don't know, is it a trilogy? I don't know, are there three or four? I think there's many. But um the temptation of the ring overcomes the mm. people holding the ring in their greatest fears and in their greatest fear a moment. Mm. It's like this power to is like for Frodo, it was always like you know what? Because there's so many uh, Lord of the Rings geeks. This is just my take mm -hmm. on it, guys. It's not what Tolkien said. It's not, <laughs> it's not um, this is not like a literature analysis, but this is just my take from seeing the movies, okay? Um, but it just seems like the worst fear and this temptation to overcome and snooze, that fear comes along with holding this ring. Mm -hmm. And you could say it's just this ring, but it's in the insecurity and the fear where the ring offers through its power a way yeah. out of it. It's never, and, and it, because it's a temptation, it's never way out for growth. It's never way out of freedom, but it's always kind of like, this is the answer for all, for, you know, for this moment, for this discomfort, for this fear you feel. And it really draws a good picture of what temp when temptation comes, because it's not that we're tempted all the time. It's really we're tempted when we, we are unguarded of the things that are inside. And when certain things resonate or trigger, the fear really comes up as, um, or the feeling of you could do something about it right now. You could make this feeling inside mm. go away. It it almost whispers to us, you know? And I think for some, it's been happening for so long that we might not even recognize the whisper per se, that it's calling yeah. to us. But it becomes habitual almost, like a way out for preservation, self-preservation, or like a way out of a moment of discomfort or accumulation of discomfort. Mm. But it's just so interesting to hear your story. And I'm just like putting it all together in my mind, understanding it. I just think it's so um, fascinating because in the end, it's not that only you are tempted, but we're all tempted yeah. at times. But, and no one is exempt from that. But in Christ, we're able to overcome, not on our own, but through a community, through a fellowship. Mm. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just um, kind of uh, um, listening to your thing, but all these, um, oh, yeah. Well, thank you. There, I mean, but there is like a thing that I did want to talk to you about also, um, because like, I think this realization was really hard to come by in the sense that if like 
my relationship with alcohol and like questioning it has been brought up before, I would like be very prideful about it. And I think it's like one of the, it might be the first time I actually am coming to like a conclusion that this is a problem. Like this, like this is like mm. an actual sin. Like I, I shouldn't get drunk or like, you know, I shouldn't mm. like toe that line so liberally. Uh, even though like, mm -hmm. and like, I'll again, like convince myself that like I'm in control and like, I didn't push it too far and stuff like that. And I guess like there's mm -hmm. a wariness even of me talking about it or like saying that these are like my feelings and my conflicts with it because like, I know the sermon has been about like how like we treat sin like it's cute and like euphemized and you know we minimize the effects of it but uh, like part of me mm -hmm. oh, like almost feels like even though i say this now i don't like when the next time i am tempted or like the next time i feel like i am really struggling with this like will i remember this conversation or like will i you know, still feel that conviction strongly. Like, will I be able to like follow through? Um, and I guess that's like one of the, one of the things that like is also like a level of fear regarding it because it's like, am mm -hmm. I able to even follow through on the convictions and the path that God has set out for me? Right. And I guess I wanted mm -hmm. to bring that up also. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, it's such a great question, right? I think that's kind of like the fear everyone has. Like, I overcame this time and I realize now, but am I going to be able to overcome again, yeah. right? And, you know, it's, I want to go back to the word conviction. A lot of times, if we, it, I guess it really depends on how we look at what conviction is. Or, and it's about envisioning uh as greater than just it's bad for you, it's good for you, or or that it's just a feeling. But conviction is not just a feeling, but it's actually the knowledge and the insight of why um, conviction of sin, anyway. It's beginning to understand that something mm -hmm. is not right, that there is a fear of the Lord, which leads to wisdom. It's, it comes to a place of understanding that something is not right because, you know, it's not just that you get, you get a certain feeling. And whenever you get this feeling on, on your shoulder, you, or on your heart, you get a tab, you go, Oh, I shouldn't do that. It's not really a should, but it's really coming to a knowledge. Mm -hmm. And of wisdom gained of why I don't want to go down this path again. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like conviction is that, that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that it's in that fear that something's not right. Something's not right with, um, with this decision or this temptation. And there's an understanding of why and growing in that wisdom of actually remembering that, you know, do you know what I I'm saying? I think so. I think it makes sense to me uh, in the sense that the like arriving to an understanding through the conviction of the, like the implication of the sin and how I want to live my life for God. Like I would eventually have to come up with my own personal reasonings and the why and the purpose by which I've made this choice to like choose 
like the like to 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 walk this path for God as opposed to like you know sticking to the sin if that if if i i think maybe that's that's what i got yeah but is it really coming to your own reason still like it's one thing to make up yeah. a reason to tell yourself over mm -hmm. like a fable of sort to do the right thing but i think when there's conviction involved there's a conviction and a knowing um there's a knowledge of what yes what god's word says but also that word being made clear yeah. within through the voice of community and to the spirit of mm. in the community right and within the anointing in you to know to know jesus within and it's really not just knowledge but there's an understanding of why i did not why turning to that right. was a bad right. idea like enemy will mm -hmm. put shame on it you're like oh you look at you you failed again what's mm -hmm. wrong with you right but god brings understanding to break shame and he brings understanding to help us because god always has a goal of us not being stagnant or stuck or to yeah. or dying in our walk but for us to walk forward and to flourish, to not be stunted in our maturity, but to grow up and to mature, you know? So I think you don't have the, I mean, you could come to an understanding and um, I guess conjure up the reason to remember, but I think it is the work of the spirit that's happening in you because you're coming to understand and that yeah like the conviction is that uh, i was gonna mm -hmm. say i think i understand because it's like the conviction preceded the understanding right? like the work is happening mm -hmm. even before like i might have understood what the work is mm -hmm. yeah and that makes sense right because conviction we feel it first. We know that inside, like something's not right. And then, then an understanding comes because our mind catches up as, as it's mm. being renewed in the conviction. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And I, the, the things, the two things that you're talking about, like you realize that it was really the fellowship of, of believers, <laughs> fellowship of believers of friends along the journey of your community. These are all yeah. synonyms for us, right? Where you realize it's them that you missed. And it's not just human beings that you missed or physical contact that you missed. Although that's all very important, but it's really the fact that people that know you and accept you as God does and understand that you're on your way of becoming more mm. like Christ and people know your heart. I think that piece is so important, you know, because I, I just wonder, like, when we turn to sin, whatever it may be, right, implicit or explicit, right, when we're tempted, why do we turn to those things, right? Mm. Because we feel not known, we feel not understood, we feel misunderstood. We feel not seen, feel mm. forgotten, 
we feel broken and we feel the temptation to fix it in the moment. Yeah. That rings a bell. Yeah. So it's almost like 2020 going back and forth and 360 of coming back to the place and understanding back and forth from point A to point B, point B to point A. You know, that's kind of how like mm. I'm imagining it. But, and that's kind of like, and I love that it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because wisdom has a beginning, meaning that it actually grows over time if you mm. continue to grow and live according to God's ways and his purpose and his understanding, his conviction, you know? So as you go back and forth and understanding yourself in this conflict, in this sin, um, there's an understanding and wisdom that grows that makes you, I would say, even smarter, mm. you know, and stronger. What do you think? Um, I mean, I think it sounds great, and I hope it happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I I just know. I think I've just first. I think I'm. I feel very blessed and fortunate that you know God cares so much to want to continue to remind me to walk this path, right? Because you know, like to even have this conversation and to come to terms with it because God cares about my soul and like people care about my soul. Um, even if I might be neglecting mm -hmm. it or if I have been in some way, not paying attention to it, uh, just go, I mean, it just goes mm -hmm. to show just, um, I guess how much God loves me and, mm -hmm. you know, and if, and what you're saying, I feel like like that it's completely the truth you know like i think god has those things in store and there's so much i need to know about the character of god and learn about the character of god and just i mean like i don't i don't want to say this is like a new life but it is right like it is kind of like a new uh beginning of my understanding of who god is really and like my identity in that and a lot of this quarantine and the series that we're on um for the summer has been just like i guess compounding a lot of that in my life J just like trying to bring me to a deeper understanding of who god is um and i guess even and like more so than that it's like the way the holy spirit is like working in this moment or in my life and in other people's mm -hmm. lives also um i i think this time has been very pivotal in that i think you're right I, it, it did make me a little bit sharper i think uh, a little bit mm. uh more wary and uh more keen on how like examining myself um some like on a on a deeper level so i i i agree on a lot of the a lot of the things that you were saying mm. You know, I think it's the message is not so don't do right, that yeah. again. I think 
sometimes when it comes to dealing with sin or messages or confrontation around sin, what we hear is mm. don't do that again. And then we automatically go into self-preservation mode. Well, I might, because I'm not sure if I'm strong enough. Like we might not say that mm. out, loud, out loud, but I think there's an internal fight of like, okay, I don't, I hope so. I won't. Or some might be really optimistic and say, well, I won't. Yeah. I definitely won't, you know? But I think the point of the message is that we cannot overcome yeah. on our own. If there's that we tend to flirt with um, and struggle with, it is a clear indication we cannot overcome mm. on our own. And that we need the help of others in the fellowship. Yeah, that's true. You know? So, you know, I love the second point. It's, it really gets to the point, but it's like, I really thought about it. And I know that when Sam preaches, like he words things in a way it's, it makes you really think about it in so many layers. And second point being, you can't grow if you're yeah. dead, right? And it kind of, it's so true. Like a lot of times we play cute because we are not really thinking about how it's how what we're about to do is going yeah. to affect us long term. You know, we're just thinking like, oh, this moment is nothing compared to the vastness yeah. of my whole life, you know. But the point kind of brought attention to the fact that Sometimes that decision of flirting and falling into sin as a result of flirting and not having help around it, not overcoming it, determines someone's path. Like it kind of brought the seriousness of it, the acuteness of it, how critical it is. And I think that's what Sam meant about the whole cute and acute thing is because a lot of times we, we kind of are like, Oh, you're so funny. You did that again. Like, Oh, you're so funny. We're, you know, as Christians, we're kind of just like, yeah, you know, like we yeah. make light of it a lot, you know? but it actually in a cosmic level, it's battles and I know that in a war, if you don't win battles, you cannot mm. win the war. And although, if, and if you have lost battles, I think that God is bringing a resolution. You can win right. the war still. You know what? I mean? And um, so, like, there's something I want to share about this whole thing that came to mind was. You know, as you know, we've been talking about this in the last three weeks. I know that last week we took a break for um, our conversation on podcasts, but I've been kind of taking care of these caterpillars, yes. swallowtail mm -hmm. caterpillars, right? Um, and at first I found five of them, five mini larvae, you know, larvae mm -hmm. that turned into caterpillars and I was raising them outside. And I was giving them food. And at one point I even like ordered parsley from Whole Foods because I don't know. I think I mentioned this last time they ran out in all the garden stores. So I had to get yeah. like the really good kind because I heard 
kind of picky. But anyway, so I was feeding them and they were eating, 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 and they were so cute, you know? Swallowtail caterpillars are adorable. They're like green with like translucent orange antenna. That's what they are. Like they're adorable. It's like Eric Carl's book, like of hungry caterpillar. It's adorable. And I would look at them every day. For a few days, I would see them eat, eat, eat. And then one day, one out of the five, um, and I said that I put them in like a hermit crab cage, right? Because yeah. it's vast enough for them to whatever they need to do and one of them i noticed kind of like it separated itself from the group and the food and went all the way to the other side so i was like oh i don't i've never actually adopted caterpillars so i'm like what is going on and i'm googling and so it said that caterpillars when they're ready to kind of cocoon or crystallize which is the same thing kind of isolate to do their next mm. stage so this one so i was like oh man so i'm like oh is that what's happening it why is this caterpillar isolating and i'm just like i just naturally think this way like everything all of a sudden becomes uh -huh. the fellowship of the ring and yeah a story developed in my mind and you know god speaks to me through pictures and nature all the time so i'm like Hey, don't you know if you get isolated that far, like, what are you going to do? So anyway, so long story short, um, this one caterpillar, it went so far away that it ended up touching like this edge. And I woke up the next day and to check on it. And the, all, all four are kind of like yeah. nibbling away, right? this one caterpillar actually ended up dying it completely turned black and died and supposedly it's one of the many causes of death it's like called black death because like a bacteria uh -huh. overtakes them and um they die so that one caterpillar actually crystallized in like this wrong spot it like crystallized along the edge of the hermit crab um cage mm. container lid so what happened was why it got bacteria death is because i couldn't close it because it decided to crystallize and stick itself on top where i would close the actual crate or whatever so that they're safe so it got exposed to bacteria mm. overnight and all these bugs entered it and it actually affected this caterpillar. But anyway, so that's what happened. And what I was thinking was like, oh man, that's that's not good. I see why God wants us to stick to the fellowship. Like that's what I was thinking in my mind. But anyway, so I brought the four in and I put them in this really big, huge, clear glass jar. And I put the parsley in, in this mini jar with a little bit of water so that it doesn't, you know, wither. And I put a little net on top of it so it could sit safely in my, in my kitchen. And two of them are just like free and nipping away and eating away. But the next morning I woke up and I looked and I saw that one caterpillar tried to eat the parsley that was too close oh. to the water oh. and it drowned inside of it. 
And I just thought, oh man, this whole caterpillar and trying to make these things thrive is really, really hard work. Like I'm trying to help it. I mean, yes, I'm beating the statistic still, but this is, this keeping them alive is a big deal. I realized trying to help them become a butterfly is like a big deal, you know? And so sadly I had to throw that caterpillar away. It actually drowned while Mm. eating in the water. Through that one out. And I just thought with that one, I just thought how, you know, a lot of times like, yes, I guess it's the way I positioned it, but the other caterpillars ate from top, but this one ate from the lower mm-hmm. and it fell in. It's like really weird how it fell in, but I realized like sometimes we're so blind. We don't even know what we're consuming that we're blinded to it. And we get isolated and sometimes that kind of changes Mm -hmm. our direction leading to certain blocks and stunts. Right. And I just thought, wow, I'm like learning so many lessons. This is like so serious, (laughs) you know? And, um, and then now there's three left, I must say three, three left, but one of them, it cocooned correctly. And the other day we released it in the yard and it was the most, beautiful thing because it's like it's this black butterfly with yellow patterns and a little bit of speck of blue it's mm. just so beautiful it came out of its cocoon and for hours it like pumped blood into its wing to strengthen it and when it the wings became strong enough it climbed up and i opened the net yeah. and it flew so far and mm. so high like high as a bird and i just thought um there's so many things that could get in the way of this end goal of, you yeah. know, flourishing. I just thought, and this, and this, um, and hearing the message, the, this thought went through my head and I just thought, I see why, like, I'm trying to protect it, but there's only so much I could do, right? Cause they need to do their own thing. But as human beings, I was just thinking like, you know, sin hurts human beings all the time. You know, we don't realize it because we just go, it's just this. We're in control of it. But then when actually that sin is eating us up, it's consuming us. It's taking us in all sorts of directions of peril. We might not see in the moment, but it actually leads us somewhere. And the word that I got is that sin really robs us. And that's why God hates it so much. You know, that's why he's always working towards of it not robbing us so that we could flourish. So we could flourish and do all that God has Mm. in store for us, you know? So, but I think it's just, you know, I think we could stay. There's all sorts of things we just and ways we could think about sin and people might say, well, sin is relative. But I think when we really look at it from a cosmic level and in the long vast uh, vastness of God's reality, which is real reality, it actually either um, there, I mean, sin hurts and it robs us. And a lot of times we won't know what it has right. done to us, you know, but to know that there is a cure of a fellowship 
through confession that we can grow in wisdom, I think was really encouraging um, message mm. to hear yeah. in the midst of it all. Because I think a lot of times people grow up like, don't do this, don't do that, that's bad. Oh, that's common sense, come on. You know, God's against this, God's against that. But a lot of times growing the willpower, growing understanding, that's the hard part because that comes through um, obedience and obedience, building the muscles, yes, but that comes through time and maturity mm. and wisdom. And to know that every time we are tempted, that there is a way out mm. through confession. Um, I don't know. I just felt like it was, it's such a, um, for such a serious passage, it's such an enlightening reminder. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I think one of the things that I'm seeing is that like with a community and a fellowship of believers, it's like to tell the truth and to admit and confess, you know, like, I guess your sins and your and the things that you're struggling with and that you're tempted by, like time and time again, it's a reminder that, you know, these are people that genuinely care about who we're becoming or you know in my experience is always about like who like what direction i'm going with the consequences of my action right and you know like just having people around you that are in agreement with the best of who we can be and like for that sake of that flourishing and so that you know we can be a light um and add value in the way that god wants us to add value you know like I feel like I forget that or like I've forgot like I've forgotten some element of that through this pandemic and quarantine. Um and I guess just in general, just because like it's so easy to like when you're euphemizing sin to feel like you you're in control and you can handle everything by yourself. And you know, if you really needed to, you could like I don't know, exert or exhibit self control of yourself. Um, but that's what, I feel like that's what I'm reminded of what community is there for. Like, these are, there's a group of people that are in agreement of the best of who we can be and like wanting to see that from each other, which is why like the conversation about sin and being able to confess it is, as is such a valuable thing. I think, um, I'm reminded of through the sermon and through this conversation. Yeah, I'm going to challenge that, though, because as much as confessing it to these great group mm. of people, there's, in, in the end, is it really about the group of people? Is it really about who is in the group? I know that safety is mm. really important and not share with right, unsafe right. people, right? That's a given. But, you know, I know that you're already saying that, you know, they're safe people or not, but what really is confession? Is it confessing to people that will always respond to you in the mm -hmm. way that you idealize and wish? Or is confession for the sake of you exposing yourself so that light comes into the darkness? 
so that it doesn't cause you to sin or it doesn't keep you in the shame of that sin. I think that's the other aspect and why, you know, sometimes people lie in, in mm. confession groups. People have accountability groups and some days they're likable, some days they're not, let's say. But sometimes it's easy to um, lie. Someone could ask, how are you doing? How, are you been, how have you been doing with that? You know, in the moment, you don't, you don't feel like trusting. You don't feel like, you know, you don't feel mm -hmm. so good about yourself. Yeah. So you lie and you say, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I've been doing really well with that, you know? Well, um, a confession, it seems this is, there's a huge vertical aspect of this in that, um, ultimately we do not want this block in the fellowship mm -hmm. with God in the fellowship with people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you know what I'm talking about though? Like, do we confess but, because people are great? No. Do we confess? because <laughs> we're in the mood and we feel safe. Right. There's like <laughs> an element of truth and yeah. And like exposure to like walking in line with Christ or in line with God and what God is doing in our lives. Yeah. Like someone could say, be told all they want, you know, you know, taking drugs, it's a very, it's a very generalized, mm. but it's very common, right? Like, you know, drugs are bad for you. Drugs are bad for you. They know that drugs are bad. Others know that drugs are bad for them. But in the end, only they can make the choice to stay away from substance abuse. Whether right? they admit it or not, right? Yeah, whether they admit it or not. Because that's the whole thing about even addiction, right? For example... A lot of times there's a lot of lying going on to keep mm. the addiction going. So, and that is the same way with sin because there's so much shame and because pride and stupidity, um, it continues until where someone hits rock bottom or it hits the fan or, you know, there's a huge disaster sometimes leading to death of overdose. Like in the end, you can lie. Yeah. You can lie to that great fellowship. And I'll even say, you haven't seen these people, but, and you appreciate them for them, but how long will that feeling of acceptance last? And this is not to negate at all the direction of mm -hmm. agave community, that these are people who will see you, who will see me, who will accept me who, and not misunderstand, but will try to see do God's eyes, what God's doing in my life in process, not mm. as a finished product, right? But how long and will that appreciation for a godly community even, you know, will you have those fuzzy feelings where, you, where nothing could replace that fellowship, you know? Will you have that? Yeah. How long will that last? I think it's all and because of the pandemic, meaning not that it's fake, but it's you appreciate more because you've grown fonder of not seeing each other, right? Mm -hmm. 
So in the end, the decision could only be made by yourself and myself. Because I think in the text, it wasn't that um, the community was so great, but the parable, the, the message of the parable of this, you know, this um, situation of Ananias and Sapphira and of the fear that came through the community, the fear of the Lord that came to the community is about really acknowledging um, where people stood and really examining um, duplicity and sin in, in people's hearts. Like, what am I doing? Is Am I really living um, this life for the Lord? Like, is right. he really my Lord? Or am I in the like the situation with Ananias and Virus was that they tried to, they did not have to give that money. And Peter says that the money mm-hmm. was already at your disposal. You did not have to give of it. But the fact that they gave of it, but took took it, took an, uh, an amount and deceived to look a certain way was what God did not want in the continuation of the growth right. of the community. He was kind of like an example of this mm. is not okay of who you want to become. And it became an example. And that's why the fear grew over the community, you know, because piety, wanting to look great, wanting to look um, like, you know, in the modern day, wanting to look like the highlights, all those things. It's a real thing. People want to look a certain way because it comes with a certain perk of respect right. and you know but so actually the focus wasn't at all even about how great the community was but it was in the resolution to overcome temptation is really about fear of the lord in the person which becomes the beginning mm. of wisdom. Yeah, I see you what, what you're I mean? saying. Uh, I guess, so, because I, I think that's true because it's really between, like, the duplicity and, I think, like, making the choice to be forthright and, you know, like, I guess not hide from God, essentially, right? And you're, you're making the... Um, I'm just trying to make sure I understand this because like, I guess when it comes to limiting stupidity and pride through the fellowship, I guess I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm trying to draw the connection with that. So like fellowship and community is an aspect of, um, it's, it's like, it's not like the feature is what you're trying to say. Right. Like that, that's not really the point, like the community and fellowship being like a, a a center for confession is not the point, but the confession and the honesty between you and God first and foremost. And then, right. Right. And then the fellowship is right. Exists in a godly community of saint of people that are also in agreement of uh, a confessed life and a holy life with God that like, because I guess I'm just drawing the distinction between your personal story and 
the what scripture is teaching because it's not always that it's a very it's a very special story in that there's an understanding and appreciation of the fellowship but the thing is we get annoyed by our community right there's conflict and so when there's conflict and you have to confess because you're struggling and flirting with sin will you will you skip that over will you right. take that upon yourself like will yeah. you you know what i mean so the human beings are not stable but this is really about and also that's great i mean the aspect of being understood and seen and loved is great i mean it is one of the reasons why we experience the love of the father is through the fellowship of believers right it's accentuated and affirmed and, and nurtured but this is about who our relationship with god yeah so there is an aspect of although the fellowship is an important piece of how we can overcome mm -hmm. this is looking at my relationship with god and who i am when i yeah. stand before god because we could lie to yeah. others but we cannot yeah. lie to god that, it's really about right yeah i think that's like the main uh crux of this that guys that like god knows right like god knows our heart and like god knows if we're lying and god knows our like intent and who we want to be and i think like that as a fundamental piece is um yeah i i, I think is what i'm i'm receiving from making that distinction yeah it's just a challenge you know because i think that when we look at it ourselves in the eyes of the community of everyone who is a sinner it's you know like everyone is um no one is exempt for temptation so there is a grace and an understanding and in all of that could also be that sin could be seen as lightly or not even as um important hmm. yeah you know like i think that's mm. cute but it's an right, it's right. acute we forget we forget why we became a Christ follower, why we need a salvation. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think a lot of times it could be that we believe each other, we love each other, and everything is cute, everything is excusable. But if we continue to become, because we want to be unconditionally loved at all times and want to be seen exceptional and want to be seen as growing and perfect yeah. at all times, which happens a lot, and in relationships, yeah. right? People don't want to look like they have fault and they have mm. issues to work on. You know, they everyone wants to look like, you know what, we don't struggle. And if we do struggle, we always overcome very yeah. well. You know what I mean? But when people struggle, how does that confession apply? You know, how how can people still confess because that is the resolution confessing to god it's very it's very complicated but mm -hmm. simple at the same time because confessing to god would be much easier but then if we confess to god in this walk in christ we won't be free 
because although God knows everything, He has given us one another, yeah. right? To walk mm. with each other. And so hiding the sin would actually affect the believer hiding it, saying, oh, just me and God, me yeah. and God. It's in the exposure of sin and overcoming the shame and the temptation step by step that there is victory and that there is confidence, there is direction. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? This, Yeah, I've... I'm just a little bit, yeah, I'm just getting a, like, uh, I think what's happening right now is that I'm really glad I talked about my, my, uh, alcohol thing just now. Cause you know, like it's, it's a little scary. Like I'm starting to, I think, understand the fear part now. Um, cause it's like, mm -hmm. I understood that there was like, you should be fearful or not fearful, but you should have like a healthy respect and fear for like how powerful and mighty God is. But then it's like, now I'm starting to see just how easily I could have fooled myself or like, there is still the danger of me fooling myself into thinking like, or appearing like I'm working on this part of my life. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm walking in the right direction when that could be just like an outright lie to appear a certain way that you know what to do and that you can yeah, overcome kind of thing. that adds like another layer of like like i should not be so certain or like i should like i don't know if questioning my intent is like the best way to put it but maybe that is like i should i should really be careful about like what i'm confessing to and like am I living my life in accordance to that conviction and confession in the eyes of God and in the eyes of other, like my, like people that I trust. Hmm. I guess I was thinking more along the lines of if drinking yeah. uh -huh. is an issue, right? Drink, drinking is not the issue, but for you drinking too much yeah. and getting drunk is the issue. And God confronted you of that fine line where you say, ah, oh, it's mm -hmm. just another drink. And then you also learned all the insightful reasons of why that drink is actually more symbolic than just yeah. what it's made of, right? So when, the, and you said, well, I hope that I can mm -hmm. overcome next time. And I guess the application of the message is, well, you probably will be For tempted sure, again. Yeah. So what will you do when you're tempted again? Will you tell yourself, I got this? Or what will you do? Oh, wow. You know what I mean? But I think that's the thing. It's giving us not just a, like a, a, like a kick in the pants for yeah. doing something wrong. But it's actually giving us wisdom to prevent falling into the same place of cycle, grief, mm. cycle of grief again. And I mean, I'm just using alcohol as an example, but I think this could apply to, you know, 
to all areas where it's mm-hmm. just one look, it's just somebody, it's just that one person, that one yeah. thing, you know? So what is the preventive solution that will change the trajectory of our future? If I were to take a wild guess, um, it <laughs> okay, would be <laughs> yeah. to not rely on myself to like persevere or like overcome, but to go to God about it in the moment. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause you know, I don't think there's like, like that's the first thing I should do. And then acknowledge that there is a struggle and go to uh-huh. someone that could help me out with it. Yeah. Or maybe okay. even simpler, right? Like, <laughs> no, I think, no, I, I'm with you. I'm actually, I mean, it says it in the text, but I think when it comes to life application, it gets very complicated. Why? Because stupidity and pride gets in right. Because I'm already thinking, right? like, do I have Every- to call someone? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that having a system of confession, no matter what you feel about yeah. your confession group, is important. To get a confession group, no matter how you fond or you are of people i think is also mm. important you know so um i think i would even yes going to god is important but it gets so deceitful because temptation is not all that logical and it yeah. doesn't give that much time it everything feels immediate and right. everything feels like now you could fix this now like you got this mm. now you know so I think having a way to confess, having a way to to not see someone in person, but to be able to have um, through a text, through an email, through a phone call, through a message for yourself to say, hey, this is where I'm going. And I just want to say that mm. I'm tempted in this area and I will mm. expose it, you know. I think that would be helpful. That would definitely be helpful because, you know, I think it's like in in my experience and maybe I, we've been going about it uh, wrong for a while now that I'm thinking about it. um, It's like, we didn't even take like the preliminary precautions of the temptations. It was usually like I've sinned right. Like after the fact, Mm -hmm. but then this is almost Mm -hmm. like, you you know you're going to be like there's an awareness aspect and you're able to bring it up and you know like I, I guess strategize or even like preempt it to take us further mm-hmm. away from the act of the sin right because well for you you're at a place where you're realizing that that's not good yeah. for you you know you're realizing God is convicting you out of this because it's not okay for you, you know, in your direction. It's halting something. And you might not have the clear view of mm-hmm. what it's affecting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because the mind catches up, knowledge catches up. 
but you have the conviction of that saying, you know what, this fine line, it's time to draw、yeah. the line in the sand. You know, God is kind of clear. So for you, you're in the place of where you know where you go when、mm-hmm. you have that extra drink. Others may be in a place where they are in the after the fact, and they're kind of in the darkness, wanting to、yeah. expose it. You know, so for you, you're at a place where in this process you're growing in wisdom, and others they're being given the wisdom. What do you do when、mm. you have fallen, and or if it was a lifestyle, and you realize that God has been convicting you of Of these things that you've been kind of thinking, oh well, God loves me anyway. It's it's cute, like God loves me, He adores me, He loves me anyway. He knows I struggle. But you're coming to a when, for people who are coming to a place where they're like, you know what, this is not the lifestyle that、yeah. I want to continue. This is sin. So for those people, there's also a solution where you can expose. What's been going on, and bring it to the light. And that light is not just you turning to God, but you can confess. If you're in that place where you've been living in certain lifestyles of sin, you can expose it by. And this is the part, you know. Sam says that the Holy Spirit will show you the faces of people you can share with, and in the fellowship, in the fellowship of believers、mm-hmm. who you can share with. And you know this happens in our community all the time, where people are com- from completely secular backgrounds, and they come in because they find the love of Christ、um, through conviction of sin, realizing that they're sinners, and then they realize, oh, I did not know God's not okay with this either. Like I didn't know that this hurts me, you know.、Yeah. And I've been I've seen people be transformed in their outlook of. Things that everyone does in the world, but things that God has drawn boundaries around it, saying this is sacred. Whether it's I don't know,、um, going from a promiscuous life, open sexual life, to having boundaries,、mm. to making it sacred for marriage, or just just all sorts of entertainment stuff. Like you know what I mean. And I've seen people come and confess and change、mm-hmm. as a result just by exposing it. Like when some people were in the dark, they didn't even know it was sin. But when God's word is God, God's word speaks, it becomes clear, not in a shameful way, but in a very enlightening way, a freeing way. That oh, this is heaviness. It's not at all enlightening. And people actually come out of that darkness with also gaining awareness of what it is, and t- I see people's trajectories change、mm. all the time, changing and growing, and not halting and stopping at certain places because of sin, but actually, you know, overcoming and beyond.、Yeah. So wherever people might be, I think for for our listeners,、um, and as you share this message with others that you've been thinking about, you know, I think there's a solution in Christ through the fellowship, through salvation for all. You know, 
whether you've been living in a life of sin, like the woman at the well, she she was living a promiscuous life, Mm -hmm. boundless life. You know, several husbands living with one that's not even her husband. And Jesus meets her at the well, graciously speaks truth to her. And through that fellowship, she is free. And she actually shares that freedom with the town. And she says, meet the one who has told me about everything I've ever done. It breaks through her shame, her pride, her stupidity of all the years of the lifestyle living. And she restored in fellowship with God as a result through the encounter of Jesus as a person and as God. You know what I mean? So wherever you may be in your struggle with sin, realizing it, God is wanting to, you know, I would say rescue you and adopt you from, you know, from darkness into light. To see you flourish. So, I mean, in the end, it really comes down to really just practical things. But inductively, I guess we're just trying to layer it through these stories and Joe's experience to help people from different aspects of all of this understand. But in the end, if you don't have accountability, get accountability. Pray about the people that you want. Mm. Um, to confess to. Well, and I think we said this in other podcasts, but like, if you could only think of one, think of two. Like, ask the first person if the person says, you know what, I can't right now, be that person for yeah. you, and that could happen, right? You could ask the second person, and that second person might be, you know, the person that, you know, ends up being yeah. that person that aids in your process so if you don't have accountability Mm. get get accountability number two if you have accountability and you don't like your accountability and that's why you're not confessing um sometimes (laughs) they don't like you either (laughs) just kidding you know like there's human i would say don't you know, all that other feelings, like before you even resolve it or whatever, like you could resolve it, but don't let irritation get in the way of you being in darkness mm. or not. You know, we just be like, well, that person's not nice enough. Like that person is not receptive enough. Like I want a more loving person. I want a more, but you might not get that, you know, and the nature of sin is so already elusive and so unpleasant at times that you may not always get the response Mm. you want sometimes people are just shocked over and over and over like what 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 but maybe you know the experience but pray about you know the accountability people and work on those relationships so that you could you know feel safer but when you're caught in sin be restored by confessing don't let anything else stand in the way of of yeah. that confession. Yeah. So I think it goes to two things. Get accountability if you don't have one. And two, if you have accountability, confess. Yeah. And I'll say this, like, you know, sometimes people call it um the updating their tide, like people 
forget their tithe for months or have kind of been struggling internally about God as provider and stop tithing. And then they, they, they start yeah. updating their tithe. But in the same way, you know, to declare God, you're my, you're my provider in the midst of hardship and abundance, but also update your confession. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Uh, yeah, in terms of oh, my yeah? accountability groups, like what, yeah, I was, I, that was actually the next mm -hmm. question I was going to ask you. So uh, if you could please continue <laughs> with that. Yeah, because I think sometimes if you don't, confess it kind of builds up and it becomes this big ball of you know on your chest like of heaviness darkness and it goes over your head and so i would actually be very practical with it and write even like write down on your notes on your phone like the things that you didn't confess that you wanted to but you didn't have the courage and actually muster the courage forget it like just do it, like Nike, just do it. Like for yourself, for your relationship with God and others, for your fellowship with God and your fellowship with others so that you would not be limited in your freedom, in your confidence. I would say update it. I would say update it all. If it's been a year, it's been a two years, it's been six months. Who cares mm -hmm. what people think? about how well you're doing, you know? I'll tell you, like, when I came to Christ, I say the story all the time. Like, when I came to Christ, when I was born again, like, really understanding what it was about, and I was born again in college, in Bible school, I shared my testimony of how I was a sinner. And one of the girls, she was very competitive with me, I guess, and she said to me, wow, I always thought you were ahead of me, but you're actually um, behind me. But, you know, I would say to you, like, who cares what that girl thinks? Right. You know, who cares if it, if it gives the impression that we have struggles and that we're tempted and we need to overcome? Who cares about what other people think? And I would do it for yourself. I would do it because mm. of your relationship with God. And and that's how you break warfare of sin, warfare and temptation of isolation. That's how you break through schemes and assignments of the enemy. It really has a way of like breaking through all of it, slicing it through. Mm. Oh, I can see how that that's going. It's if if a lot of believers and people in the church take this conversation and message to heart like i could see like there could be a huge ripple effect and a, a lot of i think very fruitful transformation in like accountability groups and just in individuals in general because i think this like if this really does kind of cut through to the core of i guess the direction that we need to go like it's or like we need to go as in like we want to serve the Lord and advance his kingdom. And so like this, I feel like there's so much that could happen if, you know, our small groups, our accountability groups can um, incorporate what we're talking about. Cause I think I'm learning a lot about, I guess, examining the state of ourselves and examining the state of the people closest to us and around us in relation to our um, relationship with God and, 
you know, what could like, I'm, I'm just wondering what could come out of like a transformation of hearts and a change in direction or trajectory, you know? Yeah, I think mm. that it would be amazing to be a people who are broken, but turn to Christ, turn to each other and people who are seen as being renewed, not finished, but being renewed mm. would be amazing. Yeah. So, you know, I'm thinking of this verse. I know that, uh, let's see. Yeah. I'm thinking of this verse as we, um, kind of, I guess, close, close the conversation in Hebrews 12. I love the way that the writer of Hebrews, um, kind of describes sin and, and really getting rid of sin and what that does. Anyway, let me read it. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's pain now, and there's fear now, but the life of courage is worth it because it will literally break off the chains that we didn't even realize we were living with that because of sin. And when those things are literally ripped off by confession, to one another, you will be healed. James says that confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. It has a way of taking a toll on us, not just, you know, spiritually, it is on a cosmic level, it is life and death, right? In many ways. But it also has a t way of taking a toll on us mentally and physically, and it keeps us from running the race. So whatever it may be, you know, Let's get rid of it. And God is showing us the application through this mm -hmm. message to confess to one another. Let's heal. Let's heal and let's run. You know? So I think mm -hmm. it's so powerful. I pray that um, freedom will be known and seen and expressed and shown and encourage one another to be courageous mm -hmm. in the same way. Amen. I mean, I. I don't, I don't think we could have ended it any other way. Um, are there, is there a way in which, or is there anything else that you might want to touch on um, regarding this? Because I mean, I, what I'm reflecting on at this moment is that given this conversation and like, I guess given my own thoughts and reflections um, about my struggles with sin and stuff like that. You know, I just hope that I could really reflect that change and that courage to choose, choose God over sin. You know, like, I, I guess that's like a really um, simple way to put it, but like, you know, I, I think that's the heart of it, right? Like being able to choose God over the temptations of sin. 
Yeah, I do actually have one more thing that I, I um, want to say, mm-hmm. want to ask you. You know, I think when we think, I think people when we think, oh, honestly, you know, be open, be confess for yourself. I think we have the tendency to look at things so like drastically, either or. But I would suggest discretion about. Not so much whether you like this group of brothers or these group of sisters to sisters, brothers to brothers, sisters to sisters. Um, not so much about the likability on the likability level on the day, but discretion in terms of a lot of times people get excited and say, I want to be exposed. I want to be transparent and tell the wrong people. Like, how do I say? Um, Okay, let me, let me put it this way. This is kind of simple, but um, I really like how Neil Anderson put it in the book, Stomping Out of the Darkness, who is mm-hmm. also the writer of Victory Over Darkness. He, it's a, he writes a book, a version for teenagers, and this is what he says. He says, you know, when you struggle with lust, for example, and you looked at, you know, a woman a certain way, right? Or... I think in other words, double take and you violated her or for, for a woman violated him as an object. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Right. Um, when that happens, acknowledge the sin and you confess the sin brothers to brothers, sisters to sisters. And he actually, and it's a very wise because sometimes people, Christians want to be so transparent that they want to kind of tell the whole shout it over on the mountain to all. And actually you end up hurting, um, people you did not have to hurt. So it says, if you, so he, he says it like this. He says, if you had, um, if you, I don't know, committed lust, for example, looked at a woman lustfully. As an example, he says, you don't, you do need to confess, but do not go to the lady or to the woman or the girl and say, oh. I lusted after you. But that, right. I think that piece of wisdom is important because I think a lot of times there's a, always a temptation for catharsis. Right. Like, let's do this. Like, and it's zeal, really. It's not really wise. There's no need to go to the woman and say, I lusted after you. There's no need to go to the man and say, I lusted mm. after There are boundaries that actually discourage that. Like, you don't want to cross the boundaries on an emotional level, on a physical level that you already crossed. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I would say, yes, because this is going back to before, but you can conf- you have, you should confess. We should confess regardless of whether we are fond of them mm-hmm. they are not our accountability but let that accountability be a group of discretion like be conduct be i guess um what is it formed right. in discretion have, for brothers have brothers that mm-hmm. you can share with you know? and for women have sisters that you can share with so that there's no cross um, crossing and hurting each other more um, because of sin. Because ultimately what sin does is this hurts. Yes, it hurts God, but right. it really hurts others. 
you don't want to again. So there are certain layers of wisdom, I think, that scripture teaches us. Um, but I really like the way that Neil Anderson taught teens that because you could imagine in youth yeah, group or with all the, yeah, I mean, that's kind of when it begins, but like with, you know, all this violation and then there's violation of telling each other and not feeling safe. The safety would never grow in that aspect. So I would just say, sisters, if you feel like if you violated, um, um, certain boundaries of God um, or brothers go to a group of brothers. Like accountability group should never really be, never mm. be co-gender. Yeah. You know? Because there are certain things that I think that needs to be wrung out um, almost on a daily basis for some, for some that should not be mixed in gender. And I think that's pretty... Yeah, I mean, that's, those are all right. very practical and very strategic ways to, I think, I guess, mitigate the crossfire of what, because like, I, I guess like I have a, this notion that sin is like poisonous, right? So it's like, you don't want to spread that. Mm. You want to like limit the stupidity and pride. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, so I pray Holy Spirit will show um, show you who mm. can be your accountability. Um, and the Holy Spirit will show you who you can confess to. And as a result, really be free and experience freedom and confidence growing up in Christ. Um, That's it. Well, thank you so much, <laughs> Pastor Lydia. I think for me, um, I mean, I, I know I shared a lot to uh but you know this is really informative and i think uh confirming is the word that i get because of you know i guess because of my own experiences and like my own wrestling with uh my struggle with sin and being convicted to do something about it at this time um i'm very thankful that we had this word and this conversation mm -hmm. to even begin to navigate like what like what what are the alternatives and what is God doing to bring us towards him and closer to him and you know I think it feels good to 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 I, I know we just talked about like catharsis but like you know it, it also still feels good to like know that I care and I still want to care about a life well lived for God um and this was like a really good mm -hmm. for me I think it was a good temperature check cuz sometimes I could have a lot of doubt that so mm. Mm. so thank you so much um oh you're welcome and, uh, <laughs> I to see each other's face where i'm like oh joy um yeah and no better way to end it uh thank you so much for listening everybody and we'll see you next week as well bye now bye
Will you bow your heads for the benediction today? Be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Let the shalom of God and the filling of the Spirit fill you to make a compelling case for the gospel. Until next week, bye now. Good afternoon, everybody. We just want to thank you guys for joining us for our Sunday service this afternoon. Before we finish, we have some community news for everyone, and we're going to start off with tithes and offering. As a reminder, you can always tithe through Venmo at Church 180, through our website, 180church.tv, using PayPal, or you can tithe through Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv. Our next announcement is about the Bible Reading Group, which you can find on Instagram at 180BRG, as well as on Tumblr at 180BRG. And here we post just a chapter of the Bible every day and a verse of the Bible on the Instagram account so that we can continue to have God's Word present at all times in our lives because we don't live on bread alone, but we live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our next announcement is about the prayer text hotline, which you can find at 539-7-PRAYER or online at prayer at 180church.tv. Again, with everything that's going on in the world, sometimes we need a little bit of help. And the prayer text hotline is there so that we can lift up our request, not only for ourselves, but for our loved ones, our friends, and our family to God. And so that we're not praying about these things alone, but we're praying for them in the context of community. Our next announcement is about small groups. And even though we're socially distancing from one another, it's still so important for us to continue to meet so that we can spur one another on, not just in faith in Christ, but spur one another on and encourage each other through the difficulties and the trials that are going on in life. No matter what stage of life you're in, we have a group that would be great for you. And right now, all of our groups are meeting online. So no matter where you are in the city or even in the country, we have a group that would be perfect for you. Our adult groups meet on Wednesdays at 7.30. Our young adult groups meet on Thursdays at 7.30. And our college group, the 180 Fellowship, meets on Fridays at 7.30. If you're interested in joining a group, you can email Pastor Billy at billykim.180 at gmail.com. So finally, we want to invite you to all our social media outlets. Clearly, we are social media savvy from all the lists that you see here, from Facebook to YouTube to podcasts. And I just want to encourage you guys to actually follow along because there's so much rich resources that could actually bless you. From insightful articles uh, through Dr. Sammy that he has written, um, especially from Christianity Today, uh, to insightful, thoughtful discussions on the podcast with Pastor Lydia and Joe Lou. In addition to this, uh, we, have, we have a new addition, which is our SoundCloud. And it's a worship playlist of all the things that Pastor Lydia has played throughout this pandemic. So if you've been blessed by any song throughout this time, you'll see it there. Use it as a way to connect with God, to remember that God is with you. And to be blessed by him and to bless others through this situation that's going on. Those are all of our announcements for this Sunday. We want to thank you guys once again for joining us, and we hope to see you soon.